Hey, Justin, are you ready for tax time? No. Amateur. If you want to be ready for tax time, unlike Justin Ling over here, you should check out FreshBooks because this episode of Oppo has actually been brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks gives you more time by taking care of all of the really boring accounting details that you keep putting off, like Justin over here. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial just for listeners of Oppo. Go to freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. This episode of Oppo is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with deliciously easy recipes. They do all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping so you can focus on enjoying a healthier you and a healthier family. Get out of that recipe rut and start cooking outside your comfort zone by discovering new delicious recipes. For 50% off your first box of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.ca slash oppo and enter OPPO. From Canada land, this is Oppo. On this week's show, a cover-up, cozy relationships with industry, and a high-profile court case. We break down the scandal that has ensnared the upper echelons of the Trudeau government. And it's not the scandal you're thinking of. And then we give you an update on the scandal you're actually thinking of. Plus, does Trudeau have a lady problem? Because let me tell you, I have a fucking lady problem. Let me tell you all about my goddamn lady problems. (laughs) Yeah, all that and some other stuff. One of the biggest burdens of any freelancer is not having enough time in the day, week, or month to actually grow your business, or in my case, write more snarky tweets. It always seems like the day-to-day tasks of having your own business take up way too much time and the work you actually want to do gets put on the back burner. Accounting tasks are a big time waster. I hate writing invoices. I hate keeping track of who I owe money to and I hate following up. It's not difficult, but I'm stupid and I hate sorting through boxes of receipts and going through massive spreadsheets and looking for old invoices in my email. It takes up so much time that I could be using doing all sorts of more important things like making fun of Jen Gerson online. That is where FreshBooks comes in. On average, FreshBooks accounting software saves users up to 192 hours a year, and it makes taking care of your books that much easier. I know, I use it, it actually legitimately does. And also, it's tax season like now, so if you're not totally freaking out like I am, you should definitely get yourselves on a 30-day free trial of FreshBooks. Just go to freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. So, Jen, off the top, I've wanted to tackle this story for a while, in part because I've actually wanted an excuse to research and understand just what the fuck this scandal is all about. Oh, God, that sounds awful. What are we talking about here? So we're talking about the Mark Norman affair, which needs a better name than that. Supply ship gate, asterisk scam, procurement tire fire, probably still Harper's fault. (laughs) Those all suck. Anyway, you'd probably be forgiven for knowing next to nothing about this quagmire because honestly, it's complicated and maybe a little bit boring. But I'm going to try to explain all of this to you, and it's going to take a while. So, David, can you cue up some defense procurement scandal music for me? Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's exactly what, perfect. That's right. So, Jen, sit back. In 2014, the Canadian Navy didn't have any supply ships, and that- Wait, 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 wait. like no supply ships? Like how- It had no, our other ones uh, exploded, uh, (laughs) or sunk or something, caught fire. They're always catching fire. How are we supplying our fucking Navy? Well, that's it. If you, you don't have a supply ship, you can't supply your sailors with food and your ships with ship food, or as they call it in the Navy, fuel. That's the technical term. 
And I'm told that fuel is important for boats. We're bringing our A-game here today. <laughs> this is the high-level analysis you get from Oppo. <laughs> so the Harper government, back in 2014, 2015, went off to find someone to build a new supply ship. And Davies Shipbuilding, based in Levy, Quebec, on the St. Lawrence River, submitted a proposal and basically suggested that they would retrofit an existing tanker into a new supply ship. Enter my existing commentary about the Laurentian consensus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, there's really only three major shipbuilding <laughs> ports in the country. One's in BC and one's in uh, Halifax, and both of them were really busy with other stuff. So Davy Fine. had some free time. Anyway. Another goddamn Quebec fucking company, man. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing is that their proposal was really good. Uh, building new supply ships is wildly expensive. We're already getting a bunch built in Halifax, and they're going to cost somewhere between $1.5 and $2 billion, and they are well past due and well over budget. This deal, the Davy proposal, it was going to cost less than $700 million and only take less than two years. That is really good. That still sounds like a lot of money, though. Turns out ships are expensive. Ah, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Fine. But here's the problem. The Harper government decided to sole source the contract. They didn't want to have any open competition. They just wanted to give the contract to Davy because, honestly, it would be faster, probably cheaper, and the Canadian Navy didn't have any supply ships and it needed them, like, yesterday. So they just gave the contract to Davy. Sounds here's dodgy, Here's the other though. problem. It's not, it's not that dodgy. I mean, you know, sole sourcing was pretty much an invention of the Harper government and it got them in some trouble. Remember the F-35 scandal? But it's not all that dodgy. Actually, in a lot of cases, it makes sense. Like this case. Here's the other problem. They did it just before a federal election, which did make it look super dodgy, especially because they wanted to keep some of their seats in Quebec and hope to win some new ones. So people were suggesting that maybe this was an electoral ploy. So basically SNC, but for ships. No. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. All right. Anyway, so the Trudeau liberals are running their federal election campaign, and part of their campaign around defense is that they don't want any sole source projects, which is dumb. They win, and their victory basically sends signals to Irving and a bunch of other shipbuilders to say maybe that contract is back on the table, and they start lobbying the federal government, and here is where it's exactly like the SNC-Lavalin scandal. They start lobbying friendly ministers to see if any of them are willing to put in a good word for Irving to basically rip up the Davy deal and give it to somebody else instead, and guess what? It kind of works, because you know who's from the Maritimes, Jen? Mm, no. Well, Scott Bryson, who was the president of the Treasury Board, who had really close ties to, do you know who, Jen? Uh, the Irvings. Yes. The Irving family who, I'm not sure you know this, uh, legally owns all of the Maritimes. What's really important here is that, once again, this is all Scott Bryson's fault. <laughs> I mean, he Why really does every is single thing- In the thing, middle of everything. How come all of the shit the liberals are involved with can always be blamed on Scott Bryson? <laughs> is that kind of like the secret puppet master? Is he like- <laughs> It's not It's not Daryl Butts. It's not Kenny Telford. It's Scott <laughs> Bryson. I can't tell if he's Selena Myers from Veep. Or Frank Underwood from House of Cards. I think he's Frank Underwood. I think he's plotting the downfall of them all, man. It's going to be Scott Bryson for Prime Minister. You just mark my goddamn words. Anyway, so Scott Bryson is basically saying, let's consider ripping up this deal and, and doing an open competition. There's a cabinet meeting. It seems, based on some you know insider reports, that Judy Foote, who handles procurement for the federal government, and Harjit Sajjan, who is defense minister, both supported uh, keeping the sole source contract, but Scott Bryson was the lone holdout. And in this cabinet meeting, there seems to have been a consensus that they would delay the final signing of the Davy deal. This was reported by a journalist from the CBC named James Cudmore. So 
there's little leaks kind of happening here and there. But here's the other thing that Cudmore reports. He says that there's a $90 million penalty if Ottawa doesn't sign the Davy deal by the end of the year. So suddenly there's this huge you know, clusterfuck happening where everyone's pointing fingers and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. So all of these stories are flying around and the government is pissed off. Someone's been leaking and the government decided to order an inquiry to figure out who's been doing it. And they point their finger at one guy, Mark Norman. He was once the vice admiral, uh, basically the head of the Canadian Navy. And he had been recently appointed the vice chief of defense staff, making him one of the most senior figures in the Canadian military. He gets suspended, but not just suspended, arrested and charged with breach of trust. Supposedly, he was not only leaking secrets about this confidential Davy deal, but he was also leaking cabinet confidence. And Okay, so here's the thing, Justin. I don't get it. <laughs> there's there's can you a shitload going on here. Can you explain it again for me from the top? <laughs> okay, let me start again. So in 2014... <laughs> no, okay. So, you know, this is this is all really bad for the Trudeau government. I, I realize okay, it might not stop. sound let's, super let's, significant. Let's, let's break it down. Why is this bad for the Trudeau government? What did they do wrong here, allegedly? Well, first off, it does seem like the Trudeau government was actually planning on either delaying or killing the sole source deal, which is unbelievably stupid. Not only was the Davy proposal hands down the best, it was cheaper uh, and was going to arrive quicker than any of the other proposals. Doing that whole uh, rigmarole of canceling the deal and going through a full tendering would have taken months, if not years. We've seen this with the F-35 procurement process, which has been a clusterfuck for the last almost decade at this point. Um, so on that hand, it's just stupid from a defense policy point of view. They were fucking over the Canadian Navy in a very real way, or they were at least getting ready to. That is a big clusterfuck on that front. And there's also allegations that the federal government was basically playing favorites in Atlantic Canada, you know, at the behest of Scott Bryson. And the Irvings, who are also terrifying. <laughs> like if you thought if They'll you thought if you thought the, for this. Yeah, if you thought the the relationship between SNC and power was bad, let me have a conversation with you about the Irvings, right? Yeah, so I mean like ju just you're from the Maritimes, so you're going to be able to explain this better than I will be able to understand it. But I mean, why are the Irvings so scary? Well, they own everything. I mean, they own absolutely everything in New Brunswick. Every, you know, uh, media outlet based in New Brunswick, they own it, basically. They are at the heart of, you know, the massive shipbuilding strategy that's worth billions, if not in the future, trillions of dollars. They are one of the uh, biggest companies in the country, and they are not beyond exercising that influence to get their way politically. I mean, you know, it's been suggested for a long time, but actually Canada Land broke basically an elaborate scheme they had going on to, uh, you know, basically whitewash uh, negative stories about them in uh, the provincial press. So they are a very big, very important, very influential company. And it is terrifying to think that if they want, you know, the Canadian government to, to basically take a wash on, you know, $90 million uh, and fuck over the Canadian military for several years just to get their way and get basically more money in their coffers, that's real scary to me. And it's even scary that the federal government might play ball with that. Now, there's there's another side of this, and Scott Bryson, uh, I think his defense was basically, he's president of the Treasury Board. Of course, he's going to push back on a sole source deal. Of course, he's going to try to fight uh, to have a more traditional tendering and procurement process. So, you know, there, there's both sides to that. But nevertheless, the fact that the Irvings are involved here makes everything a little scuzzy. Fair enough. All right. 
So that's one big piece. The other big piece is the fact that they've gone so hard against Vice Admiral Norman. It looks like a witch hunt at this point. Vice Admiral Norman appears to have leaked some of this information either to James Cudmore uh, at the CBC or potentially to Davy Shipbuilding themselves in order to make sure that this Soul Source deal went forward. Not because he had a financial stake in any of this, but because he knew that if the Soul Source deal didn't happen, the Canadian Navy wouldn't have a supply ship and would not be able to go do international missions or even missions, you know, significantly off the coast, uh, one of our coasts, with Without support from another ally or without, uh, you know, a private supply ship. And that's very bad for our military capabilities. So your, t- your take on this is that Norman is actually the whistleblower in all of this. In effect, yeah. I mean, he he operated as a whistleblower. Presuming he actually was is the leaker behind these documents. And we don't know well, that and he is. Here's the other thing. So in court thus far, we've actually learned that there was a whole bunch of leakers, potentially upwards of a half dozen people, uh, either leaked to James Cudmore or to other people in the industry or in the media. So he's not even the only person to fucking leak. And we don't even know if he's the source of a lot of these stories. So, you know, the fact that the federal government's getting absolutely beaten up here is not surprising. Mark Norman's lawyer is Marie Heenan, who is, of course, Marie not to be fucked with. And, you know, she's actually now threatened to drag Jerry Butts and the whole fucking PMO into the courtroom. So, yeah, I, it's not surprising they're getting their ass kicked here. Wee! I mean, all I know about Marie Hayden is that uh, the Prime Minister's office should expect her to drag them into the court and then into the alley behind the court, slit their throats, and leave them to die. Okay. Metaphorically. Slightly terrifying, but <laughs> metaphorically, sure, let's go with that. Metaphorically. So all to say is that they basically rung up um, one of the most senior guys in the Canadian military for basically blowing the whistle on some hardcore dithering at the top. And they left everybody else in the government not on up on criminal charges, which is kind of fucked up. Never mind that it, you know, their case that this is a cabinet confidence issue is fucking wild. Well, why? No, was, let's let's break that down. Yeah, because I mean, if this sort of stuff is being discussed at the cabinet level, my assumption would be that yes, that they actually do have a claim to cabinet confidence here. Here's the thing. He wasn't in the cabinet room when it was being discussed. He would have heard this from other people you know, around him, you know, in the government, in the military, who would be familiar with the plans to potentially press pause or altogether cancel the Davy deal. So he actually might not have even known it was cabinet confidence. So it's pretty fucking wild to make this case. So he's not subject to cabinet confidence if he's not literally in the room? Well, I think it's a tenuous case, but it's kind of like saying... Anything that gets discussed in cabinet and then later gets discussed kind of more widely for someone to report or tell a reporter anything about those conversations that he's breaching cabinet confidence is a real fucking hard sell, especially when, you know, half the fucking town is talking about it. I think it's a real tough sell, especially when you, you don't even know for sure whether he was the source of the media reports. I think it's absolutely wild that they're going forward on this case. So here's my question is, why aren't they going after the reporter, James Cudmore, in the same way they went after Vice successfully to reveal their sources on ISIS? Like, don't does hasn't that precedent been set where they could do that? Well, James Cudmore is now a staffer to Harjit Sajjan. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's given up his sources. <laughs> no, I and I, you know, it's hypothetically possible he could be called to testify. It's hypothetically possible that he actually is going to maintain journalistic ethics and refuse to give up his sources. But the fact that he is now working for Harjit Sajjan indicates to me that probably he was the source of the leaks because chances are he did tell who his sources were, right? Well, who knows? I mean, it's who also knows? possibly it appears that he actually has multiple sources from within the government who was giving this information. And if that's the case, why was Vice Admiral Norman brought up on charges and not everyone else who was leaking? You know, this is these are all great questions. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of the intimate details of what's being argued in court right now. 
partially because the Crown is refusing to release uh, a whole bunch of court documents that could shed light on a lot of this case, which is very unusual because they're not actually sealed or under publication ban. So there's a fight right now going on uh, on behalf of the Canadian media to get a lot of these documents released publicly. Uh, that's ongoing. So a lot of what we're going on here is you know, uh, tweets and stories from inside the courtroom and some uh, limited court files that, that have been made public. So uh, you may yet find that a lot of the things we're asking right now will be answered very conclusively in the near future. So obviously stay tuned. There's also an interesting little subplot here because some of the SNC stuff is actually crossing over into the Mark Norman stuff. I mean, isn't it true that the Prime Minister's office, including Jerry Butts, has been really slow to release documents to Mark Norman's defense lawyer, but at the same time was able to produce exactly the same caliber documents before the Justice Committee and the SNC questions last week. That's exactly right. Okay. Jerry Butts has maintained that he just doesn't have some notes uh, pertaining to the uh, the Mark Norman affair, which is unusual. I mean, you know, Marie Heen is now coming out and saying, well, you have such amazing notes about SNC-Lavalin. Why don't you have any about Davy Shipbuilding? And that's part of the reason why she's starting to drag Jerry Butts and some others onto the witness stand in the coming weeks. And if that happens, I mean, you know, all bets are off. Ottawa's is going to become a circus. This is going to be delightful. Also, so what I see here is like, like the Norman stuff's been going on for months and months and months. It has not gained anything close to the traction of SNC because SNC, I think, is a much simpler, easier to understand kind of scandal. But why this is interesting to me is that it's kind of building on this narrative about how this government operates and how this government operates in relation to particular powerful industries and corporations. Yeah, I mean, that is a very good point. I will say that the Liberal Party has long been in favor of these open procurement plans, even if they're, you know, counterproductive and stupid and self-defeating. So it's not as though they've just recently discovered this idea that sole sourcing is bad. I mean, they've always had this honestly shitty belief. So uh, to some degree, it's it's hard to pin this as uncharacteristic for them. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is a problem. It does seem that the federal government starts wringing its hands whenever a big company calls up and says, well, would you mind doing this for us in such a way that is very, very bad, which actually kind of runs afoul of, of you know basic standards and practices on the federal level and might cost the taxpayer a whole bunch of fucking money because there's just so blithely unprepared for this shit. Okay, so, but Justin, I know that the listeners of Oppo are going to be asking the most important question in all of this, and that is, how is this Stephen Harper's fault? It's, it's, it's genuinely not. No. It's genuinely no. not. I know. No. I know. He's lurking <laughs> behind all of this somehow, I'm telling you. Stephen Harper's decision to sole source this contract was... Very, very good. So actually, thanks to Stephen Harper and you know, thanks to Mark Norman, we have this supply ship now in operation. It's called the Asterix, and it's working really, really well. Um, you know, the Canadian uh, Navy now has capabilities that it was sorely lacking for many years because the federal government sole sourced this contract, and because probably thanks to the media flurry around this, the Trudeau government decided not to cancel or pause the deal. This is a happy ending story. The system worked. It came in on time and on budget. That never happens. Especially not in Canadian military procurement. So another parallel that I want to draw between the SNC scandals, the parallel between, you know, what Trudeau promised when he came to power in 2015, what he's actually delivered. So where does this fall on the scale of openness and transparency? How open and transparent has this government been on this particular scandal? Kind of like staring through like a brick wall with like titanium coating, like the federal government promised this new era of openness and accountability and transparency and yada, 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 being the anti-Harper. And you, both SNC-Lavalin uh, and the Mark Norman affair have shown the federal government fucking lie to us so hard. You know, for one, 
What we've actually learned from the limited document releases that we've gotten thus far is that the Department of National Defense was aggressively skirting access to information laws around Mark Norman. Uh, I think around lots of stuff, but you know, we got documents pertaining to Mark Norman. They gave him the code name, the Kraken, so that when people requested his name in access to information requests, they wouldn't have to release it. You know, this was a well orchestrated uh, attempt to skirt access to information requests and and thwart openness and transparency. I think you can make the case that a lot of the documents and discussions around SNC-Lavalin would be obtainable through access to information requests, but unfortunately the system is so broken and falling apart, partially thanks to a pummeling it's taken by the Trudeau government, who promised to reform the act and has instead made it so much fucking worse. I mean, I think together you can basically say the federal government has you know made it harder for us to understand what's going on inside government and it's made it easier for it to cover up its own improprieties. The other question I have is why I prosecute Mark Norman. Well, that's a great fucking question. I, what, do, what do they get out of this, really? There's an argument to be made that they basically didn't interfere with this process, that they started this leak inquiry and basically handed it to the RCMP. The RCMP were the ones to decide uh, that Mark Norman could be liable for a crime, and, and then ultimately they submitted recommendations for charges, and the Public Prosecution Service went forward with charges. That's the, the very non-conspiratorial, you know, straight-line approach. There's probably another argument to be made that they wanted to uh, make a lesson of Mark Norman. They wanted to tell everyone in, especially the Canadian military, keep your fucking mouth shut. Uh, when we're talking about procurement because, you know, we won't be taking advice from from the gallery. You know, we are going to make decisions on procurement centralized in cabinet. That's why we have a cabinet committee on this. That's why Judy Foote runs procurement. And we don't want to hear from the military about it. But isn't that just a really, just again, a really strategically stupid move? Because now they just opened up, they've massively opened (laughs) themselves up to disclosure and exposure. Oh my God. No, they're going to, like, this This could be nuclear for them. Like, depending on what comes out in disclosure, you know, the fights over disclosure are happening right now and kind of pretrial motions and preliminary hearings. When this actually gets to court uh, in August, it could be very, very bad. I would like to take away another point, and that is the liberal brain trust does not seem to be as smart as it thinks it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have this problem, like I do, this human problem of needing to feed yourself, may I suggest HelloFresh. This episode of Oppo is actually brought to you by Middle Eastern Spiced Chicken with Almond Rice, Roasted Squash, and Garlic Lemon Yogurt Sauce. And if that sounds like A, better than anything you could cook, and B, better than anything you could order, well, HelloFresh has fixed these problems for you. When you sign up for HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow picture recipe cards, and it's delivered right to your door each week in this crazy insulated box. So you don't have to spend any time meal planning or grocery shopping. You can get back to doing more of the things you love. Most of these meals come together in 30 minutes. You don't have to be an expert chef to figure it out. You only need about two pots or pans, and the cleanup is pretty easy and minimal. Make really nice family dinners stress-free with kid-tested family plan recipes. For 50% off your first box of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.ca slash oppo and enter OPPO. That's hellofresh.ca slash oppo, promo code OPPO. So we are in week 102 of the LavScam scandal, and holy crap, it might never end. So Butts testified, and I'll be honest, I thought Gerald Butts did offer a somewhat plausible alternative as to why Jody Wilson-Rippold got demoted from her position from Justice Minister to Veterans Affairs. But there really wasn't enough in his testimony overall to put the scandal to bed. Meanwhile, Michael Wernick made an ass of himself again. By the way, please don't send that man any mean tweets. Don't do that. Definitely a bad idea. You don't, might- Don't, don't. Actually, don't. I know, really don't. Just, just stop it. 
at gcclerk.ca. No. <laughs> Basically, I mean, he tabled before the Justice Committee a whole bunch of examples of mean tweets that random people had sent him and tried to claim that this was an, um, an attempt to intimidate the witness before he was going to testify, which is just the dumbest, most pathetic thing I've ever heard. Every woman online is like, hold my Cosmo. Yeah, hold my Cosmo. Exactly. <laughs> and like, what's in- very interesting is that I believe he's the guy who's heading up the committee to look into election interference. So like, that'll be fun. If this is a guy who can't handle mean tweets, I'm not quite sure what kind of judgment he's going to be dealing with to in order to manage fake news and the explosion of crap online that we're going to see come fall. And then to top that week off, we got a cryptic tweet from uh, Liberal MP Selena Caesar Chavanez, in which she called Trudeau out for not being as compassionate and listening as he claims to be. Laura Stone from The Globe followed up. Caesar Chavanez said that Trudeau did not take the news of her deciding not to run for re-election very well, yelling at her, stomping out of the room. There were also some rumors that he actually made her cry in front of people. It's pretty nasty stuff. Which brings us to the real question of this entire SNC scandal. Does Justin Trudeau have a lady problem? Oh yeah, he does. Oh yeah. So... As a lady, I'm going to step in here because... No, no, no. No, Jen, no. Hang on. Let me explain oh, to you good. what the real issue is. Please, please explain <laughs> to me what the real issue is, Justin. Okay, so like, look, there's actually... I think that SNC is interesting because it's actually a two-track scandal. There are kind of two simultaneous scandals happening. One that really, really interests me and one that doesn't personally interest me much at all. The main thrust of the scandal has to do with questions of judicial independence and how much control the political apparatus has over who gets access to justice and who doesn't, especially where we have major entrenched corporate interests involved, right? To me, that's the interesting part of this scandal because it goes to a fundamental question about rule of law and basics of our democracy and how this place runs and who it runs for. Simultaneously is the part of the scandal that I think most people find interesting, and that is whether or not Justin Trudeau's political branding as a feminist, open-hearted, loving guy who appears on Cosmo and Vogue uh, is in line with the person who he actually is and in line with the government he's actually running. And this goes into questions of like identity politics and feminism and all those types of problems that don't interest me very much because I'm not a real human being. I am a robot. I think that he does have a lady problem, and there is even some polling coming out suggesting that he's losing a lot of support among women because of this scandal. I think it is interesting that, you know, he's now lost two high-profile women of color from his cabinet, and Jane Philpott as well has resigned from cabinet, you know, citing her inability to continue to support the government in the midst of the scandal. I don't think it's a coincidence that all these people are women. I don't think that it's a coincidence that all these people are coming from outside of the traditional realms of power who are challenging him. The identity politics stuff doesn't interest me personally as much, though, because to be blunt, I always kind of saw it as a brand construction and not a fundamental reality of how a government is run. Look, Justin Trudeau, as far as I was concerned, was just a bro with a good brand. Like, that was all he ever was. And that wasn't going to be the standard by which I judged his government, whether or not he lived up to that brand. I think the Trudeau government gets a lot of credit because, you know, even if... Uh, the prime minister himself turns out to be kind of an empty idol. He did have the first gender balanced cabinet. He did actually implement gender based analysis for a lot of policymaking. There were good things that come out of this, but it should be lost on absolutely no one that in the last week it was revealed that he had two conversations with one of his uh, MPs, his former parliamentary secretary that amounted to what it sounds like bullying. Uh, he had to apologize for both conversations when uh, Cesar Chavanez uh, told him she had no intention to run again. It was on the day uh, a lot of the SNC level and things came out um, and then he basically it sounds like flipped out on her um, so he basically went after a woman for not wanting to run again on a day where it was being probably revealed that he basically tried to overrule his 
female uh, justice minister um, just a couple weeks before his female president of the Treasury Board resigned in disgust over how he handled the whole thing. Like that is it's not surprising that, uh, you know, this is going to be toxic for his brand around being the first feminist PM because, yeah, he got a lady problem. Well, and then the other thing I would point out is that what happened after Jody Wilson-Raybould resigned. We started hearing all this gossip about how quote-unquote difficult she was, really not a team player, all that kind of stuff. And then what are we hearing now that this story from Cesar Chavannes has come out in the Globe? Well, you were saying before, we were hearing the same types of things. Oh, she wasn't a team player. She was difficult, blah, 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 blah. It seems to me like politics generally has a real issue with quote-unquote difficult women. And that doesn't surprise me as a difficult woman, because I think a lot of aspects of our society have problems with difficult women, women who aren't willing to play nice, women who are willing to play against the grain. And I think a lot of women who uh, have been in the corporate or the political world have experienced that firsthand. So I think that's why it's having traction. I don't know how Trudeau fixes this problem now, but I think that I would give him some credit to say that the problem with difficult women goes deeper than Trudeau. I think that a lot of even well-intentioned, overtly well-intentioned institutions have this problem where they keep on saying they want strong, independent women until those women actually express strength and independence, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's only one path forward for him right now, and it's not going to fix everything, but he needs to fucking apologize for all of this. I mean, last week also had Trudeau's uh, hilarious non-apology apology, where he went to the National Press Theater uh, and basically pretended to apologize for the whole scandal, but in fact, he basically doubled down, hid behind some of Jerry Butts' testimony and basically said, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It was about the jobs. It, it's getting insulting. Like, you know, as somebody who kind of would have given the Prime Minister a lot of credit for just coming out from the get-go and saying, listen, I screwed up. I'm, I'm real sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better next time. You know, I am now at the point where I'm like, if he doesn't actually just come out and take responsibility, I don't know how he can remain on as prime minister. I mean, this is this is getting offensive to our basic political process here where it's very hard to out cynicism me, but he's somehow made my cynicism appear optimistic. And that really bums me out. The other thing that I would say as well is that, you know, the, the 9000 jobs talking point is very rapidly collapsing. It's now been subject to some analysis of the CBC and other places that really question whether or not that's just bullshit. And I think without being able to credibly claim that he was doing this for 9,000 jobs, which, by the way, wouldn't excuse the, the overreach no. of power at all, by the way. Like, there's there's no justification for that. But, you know, if he can kind of hide behind, well, jobs, jobs, jobs in Quebec, that actually might have carried him. But I think that, you know, that line has collapsed within one week of use. And I don't think they'll even be trying it in two weeks. Well, I mean, don't underestimate their ability to keep trying things that aren't working. Yes. Well, once again, coming back to the, the theme of today's show, the liberal brain trust is not as smart as it actually thinks it is. Da, da, da. We need new theme music for that one. Along with where the fuck is the NDP? Where is the NDP? Where is the NDP? I forgot to even ask. Uh... <laughs> Which is not a great sign. Not a great sign. So that's it for Oppo. We'll be back again in two weeks, unless, of course, something else happens with the Lav Scam scandal that requires me to shit on Justin all over again. No, I want my Sundays back. No. <laughs> Get in touch at oppo at candlelandshow.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at oppocast. Let us know what you think. This episode was produced by David Crosby for Canada Land Media. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. And the theme music was by Nathan Burley. This week, I have the last word, and that word is foot. The thing that Sheila Copps can't stop putting in her mouth. And we're going to end the show with a dramatic reading of one of Sheila Copps' most beautiful tweets from this scandal, dated the 8th of March, 2019 at 8.46pm. Quote, Wilson Rebold would have looked for legal solutions if 9,000 aboriginal jobs were at stake. She would have been open to listening to input. 
<laughs> That's racist. The ratio on that right now, as of recording, is 2,000 to 316. Pretty impressive. Wait, sorry. Sorry, it has 2,000 replies? 2,000 replies to 316 likes. Oh my god, that is... Oh. I've had some ratios in my day, but that's that's a good oh, one. Oh, I felt that one. <laughs> oh, right. So this week, rather than subject you to uh, Sheila Copps playing uh, the worst defense imaginable, here's just a, a clip of someone explaining how to pronounce the name Sheila Copps. 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 Sheila Copps.